Yeah, Dale will turn that down. It'll, we'll see if we can warm it up just a little bit in here. Um, if you would take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. As we continue uh, our, the subject of authority, we began uh, for some several weeks now on the subject of authority, um, and specifically that God has created certain structures in our society biblically. There are patterns that are to be followed, and all of us, um, and, and I don't know of any subject uh, uh, that is more needed um, than this particular subject that we're studying in the last several weeks, and is that, that we as a people would have a proper biblical understanding of authority. For we relate to or meet uh, authority on and in every realm. And because we live um, under God's creation with this thing called authority or structure, we need to learn how to relate uh, to structures of authority and those that, uh, that we work and live around and with in this world in which we live. And God has intended, uh, has created mankind to live with authority. But I want to remind you that you and I cannot live with authority uh, as we ought unless we first of all submit to the authority that God has created. That is, remember what we said, you cannot be over unless you're under. You first of all have to be willing to be under authority. And we have over the last several weeks, we've investigated from the Word of God and studied um, God's Authority structures, that is his chain of command, uh, if you would. And this morning, we will study authority as it relates to the home. Uh, I've kind of structured our study so that on Mother's Day that we would be at this particular uh, intersection. And I want you to turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 5. Galatians, uh, right behind the book of Corinthians, you'll find the book of Galatians, and then behind the book of Galatians you'll find the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 5. And we'll be starting in verse uh, uh, 20. In fact, i tell you what let's do. Uh, let's begin reading just above verse 20 because I want you to see that Verse 17, it says, Wherefore, be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And I would remind you that specifically in Scripture, there are five places in Scripture that talk about the will of God. And, and I know that as, as human beings, we always are looking for the will of God to be done in our lives. And we, we ask what the will of God is. God, what is your will for me? And Here's one of the places in Scripture where it's directly revealed, where God says, I want to tell you what my desire is or my purpose and direction are for your life when He specifically lists one of these, in one of these five places in Scripture, 
where it says, Be not unwise, but understanding what the will of God is. And what is the will of God? Well, look at verse 18. It's not left for us to guess. It says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but rather it says, Be filled with the Spirit. One is negative and the other positive, And it is done for uh, illustrative purposes to say that uh, on the negative, don't be controlled in a way that the world would have you be controlled, but rather... Be, the word filled just means to be controlled uh, by the Holy Spirit of God. And then he begins to tell what happens when you're controlled by the Spirit of God. That is, as you and I operate under the authority of God and are controlled by His Holy Spirit, there will be certain things that will be prevalent or evident in your life. And what are those things? Well, it says in verse 18, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing as a result of being filled with the Spirit, you'll be making melody in your heart to the Lord. And you'll be, you'll, and that will, there'll be an attitude expressed in gratefulness. Giving, uh, verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is, you'll be grateful for what you have and you'll, you'll be willing to express that attitude of gratitude or gratefulness, uh, thankfulness toward God. And then in verse 21, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That is, there's to be a respectfulness. It begins to talk about the relationship of humans to one another. That is, that you will be submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Um, and the word submit just is speaking of a mutual respect that husbands and wives are to give to each other and that children are to give to one another and to their mom and dad. And then he begins to delineate specifically in the home as we talk about relating to authority structures. That is, and God, and I want to remind you, it is God who created the home. In fact, keep your finger there and go back to Genesis, the book of beginnings. By the way, we began just a, a brief uh, study in Sunday school class on the book of, uh, of Genesis. And I want to remind you that, um, that God, um, specifically created mankind. It says in Genesis chapter 2, by the way, if you're, I don't think I gave you the reference point. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the, of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living uh, nephesh, a uh, uh, living soul. And, and then he, he put... Uh, man in the Garden of Eden, and specifically, Kyle and Dalich says that that when it says that God formed man of the dust to the ground, specifically the word that's used there is dirt. Um, that is, God made man out of a dirt ball. Have you? And I noticed, for the most part, it's interesting how. The, the little boys like to get dirty. They like to roll in the mud. And if you watch these boys, if they find a, a puddle of water, what's the first thing they do? I mean, they just want to go over and get into it and jump up and down in it. They, they find great joy in that. And so God, and, and then, so he makes a man and he put him, verse 15 says, in the, uh, the Garden of Eden to, and he kept, he put him there specifically for a purpose. And then, it says that uh, verse 18 of chapter 2, And the Lord 
God said, it's not good. It's not good that a man should be alone. I will make him and help fitting uh, for him. That is someone uh, to be his, uh, his equal and his aid and his uh, assistant in life. And, and it says that, uh, that the Lord, verse 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he, this is the first surgery ever recorded in the world. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, verse 22, says he made a woman. And he brought that woman unto the, to the man. And verse 23 says, And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And she'll, she shall be called, Whoa, man. And they were both naked. Uh, whoa, man. And what? And uh, they shall be, it says, the Scripture says, they shall be one flesh. Uh, and there we have in the order of creation that God did not make a woman of the dirt of the ground. A uh, woman is removed from that. She's a step above that. And she was created to be the crown of man. And what a treasure. Um, what a gift we have in our world in the form of this thing called woman. And we read here specifically in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse um, 22 we begin to see in the order of creation the purpose that God has for both women and men. And it says, verse 22, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the Word. That He might present it to Himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife really loves himself for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of His body, of His flesh, and His bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. And this is a great mystery, that is this relationship of the husband and the wife, but I, I speak r rather that this, this creation of the relationship of a man and a woman is a great mystery, and I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she respect her husband. Now let me begin this study by saying this to introduce the subject of the authority in the home. I want you to understand something that that, that God created the institution of marriage, of husbands and wives, and it is, it is a divine institution in origin that is, it is not some sort of a philosophical institution that was brought about by man, 
This is an institution that was created by God. And I want to remind you that that man fell in sin, but the institution of marriage never fell. It is today what it was from the very beginning. And I want to tell you that because the, the, the family unit is a revelation of God's structure for the home, and it also reveals a, a, a relative truth between the home and the church. That's what Paul writes about. He says the home is simply a, an illustration of God's relationship through Christ to human beings. And I want you to understand that Satan hates our homes. And, and if you look around, Satan, in, in these days, Satan has leveled his most fiery darts at the home. And, and the reason why is because, because Satan is, he knows that the home is the base of a society. And as the home goes, so goes the nation. So God created the home. Satan understanding that if he can destroy the home, he can destroy and control a society. So he has attacked the home. And I'm going to give you, there in relationship to creation and the home itself, I want to give you five, there's a five-pronged attack on the home. Number one, number one, Satan's plan, number one, is to dethrone God. And that is, it is his purpose to make him that is God appear as a myth. Um, and if you notice, one of the primary means by which Satan has attacked God in our day is through the philosophy and religion of evolution. And I'm going to tell you, there is no more base for evolution as, as, as or in science as there is any Greek myth. There is none. And it takes just as much faith to believe in this subject of evolution. And I know that in our day that it wants to establish itself as some sort of a scientific fact. But I want to remind you, there is no such thing as a link between uh, species and evolution. There is none. There never has been and never will be. And it is the reason because God created mankind in His own image. But the way that, that our society has gone about to destroy, Satan has gone about to destroy God and dethrone Him is by bringing mankind to believe that everything came to existence out of nothing. That is that every species came about by materialistic Evolution. And I'm going to tell you, there is absolutely no base for that. None. So number one, he wants to dethrone God. Number two, if you get rid of God, that is, then you no longer believe that God created you in His image. Once you've thrown God out, then you can debase man. Because there is no God, then man was not created, and then man is no more than an animal. He is, that is, mankind is simply a mere animal. And after you debase, if you dethrone God, that is, you say God doesn't exist, there's no relationship between God and His creation because it was, it all belongs to materialistic um, realism. That is, that's what they call it. After you dethrone God and you debase man, then you deny Christian morals. 
Because after all, if man is only an animal, then whatever is natural, naturalism, whatever is natural is beautiful, and if it's natural and it's beautiful, then to express it or experience it, it must be right. And so in, in the world in which we live, uh, we, we hear certain terms about the relationship, the physical relationship of human beings and, and, and this thing about sex. And you hear the term today that we, they hook up and they make love. And friend, you don't ever, ever make love. You simply express it. And it's a misnomer to be named anything else. Uh, another term that you hear in our day is this thing, once they hook up as they go all the way, and when they went out. And my friend, if you do that, you're not going all the way. That is the precise of the one thing that you don't do. Because when you go all the way, it's the making of a commitment of one another in fidelity. That is, it's a commitment of trust and a commitment of love. And that will be confirmed in the institution that God has designed, and it's called marriage. So once you dethrone God and say that He did not create, and number two, once you do that, then you debase man. And number three, you deny Christian morals. And then number four, Satan wants to destroy the family because you see, Christian morals are the glue that holds families together. Morality, Christian morality, is the glue that holds the family together. And after he destroys the glue that holds the families together, then Satan wants to dominate the world. And that's going on right now. It's happening this very moment. And while, and I, and I realize that, it, for instance, our divorce rate, just to illustrate this, it's gone back up to, to right now to one in three, just above, was one and two, now it's one and three. I want to remind you that, that part of the reason that this has occurred is because people are not getting married today, they're simply living together. Um, they don't enter into this divine institution of marriage, they simply move in together. But I want to remind you that the this, this, this ship of matrimony is in tremendous stormy seas. It's in trouble. And in order for the family to be what God intended it to be, we're going to have to get right. That is, we're going to have to move back to what the Word of God teaches. Right? Thank you. So we're talking about the authority and the structure of the family. And the first thing I want us to notice as we look at the will of God and being filled with the Spirit and what, how we relate to each other as human beings is number one, I want you to notice that God has a plan for the woman, right? And what is God's plan for the woman? Well, look at verse 22. It says that wives, you're to submit yourself unto your own husband as unto the Lord. The, God's plan, as we talk about authority in the home, it is God's plan, number one, that wives are to submit to their husbands. Now, by the way, this is not just found in Ephesians chapter 5. It's found throughout all of Scripture. Um, you, you go back and look at this, the Genesis account in chapter 2 and 3. Uh, you can look at, well, let's just look at, look in the New Testament. Look at, keep your finger there and look at 1 Corinthians 11. Go there. Look at 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 3 as we talk about God's plan for, for, the, for the woman. Chapter 11 and verse 3. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman 
is the man and the head of Christ is God. Look at Colossians chapter 3 and verse 18. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then the book of Colossians. Look at chapter 3, Colossians 3 and verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit or right in the Lord. And then verse 19, husbands, and by the way, this is given in the imperative mood. Husbands, love your wives. You see that? Also given in the imperative mood, verse 20. Children, obey your parents in all things. Um, 1 Timothy, look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. You're right, the, the book of Thessalonians, behind Thessalonians is 1 and 2 Timothy. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2 and listen to verse 11. 1 Timothy 2.11 Let the women learn in submission with all subjection. That is in silence with all subjection or in all submission. Look at 1 Peter. Go there please. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. Likewise, you wives be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word or by nagging be won by the lifestyle of the wives. Um, And like, look at verse 7. You husbands dwell with your wives according to knowledge. And it says as a command that husbands are to give honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Now I'm not under... I'm really not certain why they call a woman the weaker vessel. I'm really not. They outlive us. Most, right? And, and, um, well, I'm, I shouldn't probably expand on that being called the weaker vessel, but I, I think they're, they're called the weaker vessel because of the stronger sex's weakness for the weaker vessel. Um, so go back to Ephesians 5. And, and and let's see the requirement. What is what is God's requirement for the wife? Well, verse 22 says, Wives, submit unto your own husbands. Now, ladies, this, this thing that you are to do is not only to be an outward um, act, but your submission to your husband is to be an inward attitude. Uh, because, because, and every human being has experienced this, for there is such a thing as submitting the whole time, um, that is not submitting the whole time you appear to be submitting. Uh, I think the illustration of this is you remember that Dennis the Menace, when he got in trouble and would be, his mother would make him sit down in the corner and remember he would say, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. Remember that? That was his... That, and, and there is such a thing as submitting when you really are not in submission. Not at all. It's to be an inward attitude. Um, um, you notice that Scripture says that the wives in First Peter, that we just read there in First Peter chapter 3 and verse 1, it says that wives, in those several verses, it says that wives are not to nag their husbands. It says to be in submission. Now, the requirement, God's plan for the wife, is to be in submission 
to her own husband. Now, what is the reason? That is, why is it that a wife is to be in submission to her husband? Well, look at verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Now, the, the, that is, wives submit, and then the reason is given. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Here's the reason. And the reason a woman is to be in subjection to her own husband is not for her punishment, but rather is, it is to fulfill God's purpose. That is, God designed the home, and He designed it to, be, to have authority in the home. There's to be a chain of command. It's set up that we might, and it's set up that way, in order that we might have order in society. And without order in society, we cannot function properly. It just won't happen. So God has set up a definite chain of command. And that we've seen that the chain of command is to be God the Father, God the Son. That is, the Father is the head of the Son. The Son is the head of the husband. And the husband is to be the head of the wife. And this, this is said, now, now understand, this, this does not, and when we talk about this wives submitting, this has nothing to do with inferiority or superiority. If that were the subject, then it would make Jesus Christ less than God the Father. Because the, the Son is in submission to His Father does not mean that the Son is less, does it? And so never think that Scripture somehow teaches that the woman is inferior to the man. That is nowhere taught in Scripture. And in fact, every one of us sitting in this room know that a woman is superior to a man at being a woman. And a man is superior to a woman at being a man. And this does not, there's nowhere it's taught in Scripture that somehow a woman is inferior. Nowhere is that taught. And don't ever, that's not implied. It's, it's, nowhere is that even hinted at in Scripture. Not nowhere in Scripture. Don't think that. So the reason that God creates this act, this place of submission, is that God wants order in the home. That is, both cannot have their own way. Have you noticed that? Both cannot rule. Anything with two heads we would refer to as a freak. And it, it won't function properly. And the reason for this, God creates, is for order in the home. And, and listen to me carefully. In the order of creation and this thing of authority, it does not mean that one is smarter than the other. Or that one is better than the other. But rather, it is simply this, that God in His infinite wisdom has said that the husband is to be the head of the home. So what is God's requirement for the woman, the wife? It is that she submit. And what is the reason for her submission? Verse 23, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Now let me just address this. Um, and you have to remember that, that I did grow up, I'm a child of the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Um, that is, that's the particular period of time that I grew up in, and I, um, um, I, I remember uh, that there was a time when our society, you were taught to question and rebel against everything, and that's the day in which I grew up uh, in that particular time. And, and we think about this 
This thing called submission, and the antithesis to that would be unsubmission. And an, let me just tell you that an unsubmissive wife is going to have some real problems. Number one, a woman that will not follow God's plan, number one, will have problems with God, first of all. Because any time we refuse to submit to the authority structure that God has placed over us, we strike out against the authority of the one who established that authority that's over us. So really, when you refuse to submit, you're not striking out at your husband. When you refuse to submit, you're really striking out at God because the Word of God teaches that there is no authority but of God. And that's, by the way, found in Romans chapter 13, that whosoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. So when a woman refuses to be in subjection to her own husband, she is really rebelling against not her husband, but she's really rebelling against God who established that structure. So first of all, a woman who will not submit is going to have trouble with God. Number two, secondly, a woman who refuses to submit is going to have trouble with her own husband. You see, a woman is to be a completer, not a crippler to her husband. You're to be a help fitting for your husband. The word in Genesis, when it says a meat helper means a fitting helper. That is, you're to be one who completes your husband. Uh, that is, the inference is that a man without a woman is incomplete. You're incomplete. So a woman needs to understand that she is to her husband what really a wind is to a fire. She can either blow it out or fan him to a flame. And I, I can tell you, a woman can make a husband so much better a man. How many of you have noticed that when you got married, it caused you to be more responsible? Men. I'm talking to men. How many of you, when you married, became more responsible? Say amen. Four of you. What about the rest of you? Hello? So, can you imagine how much energy and time a husband, a man would have to love you better if he didn't have to contend with you? It's better to live on the roof of a house than to live with, with a contentious woman. Is that, what's that, Irene? Scripture says that. Yeah, it'd be better to live on the roof of the house than with a contentious woman. Thirdly, not only will a woman have trouble with God, trouble with her husband. Number three, a woman who refuses to submit will have trouble with her children. Uh, that is, many women don't understand why their children are not in subjection to them. And it's because perhaps they are not in subjection or in submission to their own husband. That is, you, you, you cannot be over your children because you refuse to be under your husband. So you, you refuse to, to stand in, under the authority that God has given and then you wonder why your children won't listen to you. Perhaps it's because you refuse to submit to your husband and you can't be over until you're under. And I, I can tell you this as my boys grew up, I know this to be true in my own life, but as my boys grew up, they quickly outgrew their mother. That is, in physical strength and stature, they became taller than their mother. They became stronger than their mother as boys, and quickly they overtook her physically. But I never will forget that the, the boys n never refused to submit to their mother in discipline. Now, do you know why they, do you know why they 
never refused to submit to their, their mother in discipline? Because Janie operated under the authority of her husband and they knew that when dad got home, guess what? And I, I never will forget, I would much rather have my mother discipline me than my father. Have you remember that? That is, I'd much rather operate under that authority structure uh, that existed in the home because I knew that when dad got home, it wouldn't be better for me. It would be uh, much worse for me. So Janie operated under the authority of her husband. And when it came to the subject of discipline, my boys will tell you, if you were asking both of them, the boys are here, they would much rather have their mother deal with them than their father. Right, David? And did you ever refuse to, and I never will forget that after I came home and Janie had just, just issued, they'd been fighting as they do as boys and she'd issued some corporal punishment and they were standing in the front room and I was standing there off, just off with Janie and one of the boys said to the other, that didn't even hurt, did it? You remember saying that, David? Yeah, said so that didn't even hurt. Um, they'd much rather have their mother deal with their mother. But So God has designed us to live with authority. Fourthly, a woman who will not submit to her husband will have trouble with herself. For as a result of her rebellion, she will never have her deepest needs met as a woman. That is, remember, in the order of creation, did, have you ever noticed that God made a woman to be a responder? Women respond. Men are to initiate and women respond. God made a woman to be a responder. And when she refuses to, 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 to fulfill the place that God, to live in the place that God placed her, she's going to sin against her very own nature. Now there's the requirement and the reason. And then verse 24, I want you to notice the reach of that submission. Look at verse 24, but still in chapter 5. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. There's the reach of sub submission. The reach is in what? Verse 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let their wives be to their own husbands in everything. In everything. The wife is to submit to her husband in all things. You say, well, Brother Gordon, what if he asks me to do something wrong? Or, or what if he wants me to do something that's not right? That's a very... That's a legitimate question, isn't it? That a husband would ask her, ask of his wife to do something wrong. What's the answer to that? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to let somebody else answer that. Yeah. So, what about the problem of a husband that asks his wife to do something wrong? Or parents who ask their children to do something wrong. Or, God forbid, that government would command to do something that violates the Word or your, the Word of God. Well, I think that's a subject that needs to be dealt with at, at length. And I'm going to tell you this, we don't have time to move off into that area, but we're going to, but not this morning. But we're going to answer that particular question. And we'll have to do that in a message by itself. So for this morning, let's suffice it to say that the Word of God speaks of the reach of the authority and it says, just as the church is subject to Christ in everything, 
so let the wife be in subjection to her own, own husband. Now that, listen, that does not mean, that does not mean that a woman has no freedom of her own. But rather, a woman can be highly productive and a creative person on her own right. Uh, you read Proverbs. How many of you have ever read Proverbs chapter 31? Raise your hand if you've read it. Seriously. If you read Proverbs 31, there it describes a woman and what she does. And I'm going to tell you, as a man, I could never measure up to the Proverbs 31 woman, ever. I mean, that's uh, really a... If you want to read the, how productive and free a woman is, you go to Proverbs chapter 31. And you'll find there it's listed that a woman who's in subjection to her own husband, and yet she runs her own business. She has, I mean, she, there's, she does lots of things listed in Proverbs 31 that even as men that we don't do. So a woman, that is, they can be many, many things. They can be a lawyer. They can be a doctor. They can be in business. But all that a woman is to do, she's to do under the authority and submission to her own husband. And when that ceases, that is when a woman refuses that, that's when her trouble begins. The reach of submission is in all things. But that does not mean that she is, is not to be creative. She is. Submission does not remove freedom. Now let me just tell you something. You say, well, what would... Because I know that when we talk like this, some women get their nose out of joint and they somehow believe that this infers that they're somehow inferior to man in their submission. Well, that's just not true at all. That is, in their submission, it removes what appears to be freedom, but it's, it gives them great liberty. Liberty is given. And liberty, you say, what's the difference? Liberty is the wisdom and knowledge and power to do what she ought to do as a woman. And there's a difference between liberty and freedom. A tremendous difference. And dear friend, we need to learn the difference between freedom and liberty. We need to understand that only real liberty causes real fulfillment in life. And you're, as women and men both, our liberty comes when we submit. Submission. And that's true of both men and women and children. And I stand in this pulpit. And I am at liberty to preach in this pulpit as long as I submit to the Word of God. When I step outside this book, I have no more liberty. And in fact, if I step outside this book, it would be the church's responsibility to remove me from this desk. That would be your responsibility when I step out from the Word. Now, which is more free? Are you listening? All right. Which is more free? Which is more free? A train that restricts itself to the tracks or a train that wants to take off across country and leave the tracks and go through the pasture? Which is more free? You see, the train has liberty when it's restricted itself to the tracks. Which is more free? 
The kite that is tethered to the string or the kite that says, I want to be free from the string. Some would say the train is restricted to the tracks. Well, I tell you this, it is that restriction that really frees the train to perform and to be and to do all that was designed by its maker to do. It has liberty. Now let's leave that particular thought. And I want to, and this will have to be, I guess, for Wednesday night because we're not meeting together tonight. But I want to give a responsibility to the husbands. Look at verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Now the husband, his position is to be the head. His pattern very quickly for his position is Christ as the head of the church. And his practice is found in verse 25. Now, it an interesting, husbands, by the way, remember this is written in the imperative mood. Now, in various portions of scripture, it, it, it says that the wife is to love her, her husband and her children. But did you know that's never written in the imperative mood in scripture? That is, a woman is never commanded to love her husband. Now, it's said that she's to love her husband, but not written in the imperative mood. I wonder why it is that, that God commands a man to love his wife, but he never commands a woman to love her husband. How do you notice that, and I've, I've heard a couple of people as we talked about mothers, how do you notice that my son David I said, when you think of your mother, what do you think of? And what did my son, the first thing he said was love. It's innate within a woman to nurture and to love, isn't it? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? It's in her nature. God created her with a nature to nurture and love. That's just her. Men, on the other hand, that is not in their nature. And that's why God has commanded that a man... And by the way, you notice the Scripture commands the wife to submit to her husband, and you'd think that what the first thing that God would say is that He would command the man to rule his wife, but it doesn't say that. Nowhere does it say husbands rule your wives. Nowhere. It's not a command that you rule your wife. You know what the command is? You're to love your wife. That's the command. Not... And you, and you never take this book and you fold it up and use it as a club to beat your wife into submission. You are to submit. I tell you this, Christ never beat you into submission to Him. To the contrary, you know what God did? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He loved you into submission. And I tell you, men... Most wives would have no problem submitting to you if you'd love them in this submission. He said, what would that show? how would that reveal itself? It would reveal itself as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. That is, He gave Himself sacrificially to the church. 
If you would reveal yourself to your wife that you would be willing to sacrifice yourself for her, I don't think she'd have any problem submitting to you. She wouldn't. Husbands, you are commanded to love your wife as Christ loved the church. That's your pattern. The example that you're to follow exactly as Christ loved the church. And you're commanded to do that, not suggested. It is written as though it were one of the Ten Commandments that you are commanded to love your wife. You say, well, Brother Gordon, you just don't understand my wife. She's really hard to love. Listen to me. How do you know that Christ loves you? Do you know that? How many believe it really would be tough to love you as Christ loves you? Some of us are not very pretty, right? But He loves us anyway. He loves us. And I'm grateful that God has given His Son for us. So we're talking about the subject of authority. In order to be over, you must be under. And husbands, if you're not submitting yourself to the Lordship of Christ and loving your wife as God commanded, then you are a rebel. And it's no wonder you're having trouble with your wife and your children because you're not submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to have trouble in every venue of life if you refuse to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only way that you and I can really love one another and to love each other as husbands and wives, as human beings as we ought, is through Christ Himself. Scripture says that God is love. And the only way that we can love as we ought to love is through God Himself. But you have to submit to Him first, don't you? If He's love, and He is, if we're going to love each other the way we ought, then we're going to have to be rightly related to Him through Christ. Right? Do you know Christ as your Savior? Do you know Him? Do you love Him? Then husbands, if you're submitted to Christ, that's going to demonstrate itself in that you're willing to love your wife sacrificially. You're willing to give yourself for her. Well, let's all stand.